0: When you take away the sugar, you can finally discover the real sweetness in your life. I'm your host, Netta Gorman, and just before we get going with my interview with Keith McDonald, I'd like to invite you to head on over to AfterSugarClub.com, that's my website, AfterSugarClub.com, to download my free resource, which is a simple guide to getting more energy with less sugar. And you can also surf around on the website. There's lots of free resources for you, as well as on my Facebook page, Life After Sugar, and on my Instagram account, My Life After Sugar. See you there. Today, I'm talking with Keith McDonald. Now, he found out that he is celiac, or celiac, depending on where you come from, (laughs) but that was just the beginning. Listen to his inspiring story. All right, Keith, great to meet you. Can you tell me a little bit about your life when you were still consuming sugar and junk food and things like that?
1: Oh, absolutely, Netta. So, as uh, we were just talking uh, for a few minutes, a few minutes ago, and... My life before sugar was certainly not a life that I miss. And I, I grew up in quite poverty-stricken uh, life. Uh, that doesn't really matter. But where, where that actually matters is the foods that we chose were not always the greatest. A lot of the foods that we ate, a lot of grains. I lived off macaroni and cheese and Mr. Noodles and potatoes and hamburger and gravy and macaroni and hamburger That type of stuff. So as a kid, I kind of remember eating it. It was really good because it gives you these really good energy bursts. And when I look back, it's like, okay, I would have to eat like every three or four hours in order to sustain proper energy. There were times where some days I'd eat six packs of Mr. Noodles in a day because I just needed the energy and I'd get so tired. And every time I get tired, I thought, oh, that must mean I'm hungry. So I wouldn't really listen to anything. So what actually happened to me, uh, Netta, is, is sadly in 20, I'd say around 2011, so it's about a year after I got married, I started to experience a lot of bloating in my stomach, a lot of just pain. I didn't really know what it was. And I'd go back and forth at the doctor and they did scans and they're like, oh yeah, you got a fatty liver. Okay, what does that mean? So of course, I just thought, because I'm... 2011 so I was 31 at the time I guess and I was just like, well I guess like what do I do and they said well it's just non-alcoholic fatty liver disease so you can't really do anything about it fair enough
0: did, I, did he not say what it was caused by
1: no no not at all so it's just I I kind of walked out I I, I can remember in the doctor's office for that I just it was just like because it's hard to find the family doctor here in Canada. So this is just like a walk-in doctor and he just kind of sloughed it off. And I just, I had a really sour taste in my mouth from that point. I didn't really think anything of it until a few years later. So 2013, so it's about two years later. And what happened is I went to work and I broke out in this crazy rash all over my body like I was like grimace on McDonald's and I didn't know what was going on and this is kind of my first introduction to the dangers of putting stuff inside of your body and I went to the hospital and of course my last name is McDonald so it's very common. it's like John Doe yeah go google Keith McDonald good luck finding me because there's 700 million of us (laughs) so (laughs) my any long story short what happened is I was in the ER for this because they diagnosed diagnosis petechiae. They didn't really know what it was. And the nurse come in and said, oh, you're fine. You can go home. Oh, okay. That's weird. Well, how am I fine? So I get up, pack my bags, leave. They come running back. Oh no, you're the wrong McDonald. You, you got to stay. I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. This is great care. So then I call my wife. I'm like, well, I guess I'm staying here. I'm waiting for the internist. So an internist is like a doctor that Nobody knows what the heck is wrong with you. And they call him in. So he's like, Dr. House. So he comes in and he says, yeah, something's going on. Your body is attacking its platelets. We have no idea why. We got to get you under a scan. They put me under a scan and they discovered my spleen was three times the size of normal. Their solution was remove my spleen.
0: And did anyone at any time still sort of talk about what may have caused it
1: no Hmm. i at that point that was my turning moment it was in 2013 i my gut said no you're not gonna remove my spleen and sure enough my gut reached my mouth and i said to the doctor no you're not removing my spleen And he kind of just looked at me dumbfounded, like, what? (laughs) I was like, well, I'm not doing this. I said, I need to figure out the cause of this. He said, well, it's autoimmune. So they labeled it as, they called it a really big word, idiopathic thrombocytopenia purpura, ITP. Meaning they have no idea what is causing it, but they want to remove my spleen. So I took time off from work, two weeks off straight, I had a kid, very young kid at the time. She was four months old. Of course, my wife was at home because she's on maternity leave. All I did for those two weeks is straight research on myself to try to figure this out. And I was actually able to link all my past history. I went through all my symptoms. I was able to link it with gluten, which is a pretty nasty thing. So the second that I cut out gluten, within two weeks, my spleen returned to normal, my platelets returned to normal. I went back to the doctor and he said, oh yeah, okay, you're right, you have celiac.
0: And so you told your doctor what you had? Yes. And what kind of foods did you cut out when you said you stopped eating gluten?
1: So anything, basically, there's a diet called the Specified Carbohydrate Diet. It's actually uh, Dr. Haas in the 1930s uh, came up with this diet plan is something with like 630 celiacs or something like that. And they figured out basically all these gluten foods. So gluten will include anything, wheat, barley, rye, anything basically grows with the gladden protein is what you end up being allergic to. And it turns out it's actually for myself, long story short, but corn is also in that If you look at food packaging, everything in the world has gluten. So really quickly, my wife had to learn how to become like a gourmet chef and cook without packages. So this is in spices. This is in sometimes yogurt even has it put in. So you have to look at everything. And the crazy thing is these manufacturers change it because it depends on the cost of the day. Oh, let's not put gluten in this month and next month we're going to put gluten in
0: are they not obliged to um to put on the packaging that it contains gluten or contains no gluten is that no they're not obliged no
1: they are not canada's regulations there's ways around that the ways around the packaging is that that comes before the manufacturer so say they order uh, a certain ingredient certain spice they order just that spice That spice itself may have contained gluten. Well, they don't have to say it. They don't have to claim that it's gluten. So unless it says gluten-free on the package, no, forget it. Just assume that it has gluten. So you'll see in the stores now, like I even had to get to the point where rice, I was looking at rice and some people will see in packages of rice, it'll say gluten-free. And you'll think, well, why are they putting that on rice? They put that on rice because it's made in plants where there's wheat. And as a celiac, even a 20 parts per million would really affect me at that point. That's the cross-contamination. That's right. Cross-contamination was a huge thing. And yeah, anytime that you would get an incident, I didn't know. what. I just thought it was normal. I thought it was normal to always be bloated, always be in pain, always have joint pain. I I had no idea what the difference was. And that's really where things started.
0: Okay. Did it get worse as you were an adult, or did you used to have this even when you were a child?
1: I, I think I did have it as a kid when I look back and remember. I just, again, I didn't know that it wasn't normal. There were times, of course, I said I grew up in poverty, which I did. So we we had an outhouse for a toilet. So there were lots of times I'd go out at 2 o'clock in the morning and go use the bathroom because I just... All the time, I, I thought that was normal. I didn't know any different. So it—it it certainly, it probably does date way back. But really, it didn't start for me to get really bad till around I would say 2008 is when it kind of started. And I attribute a lot of that, and I won't get into that because it's maybe for a whole nother podcast. Mm-hmm. I attribute it to GMOs with Monsanto. And that's where I think a lot of the changes have happened, because I think, in fact, I know if I were to consume ancient grains, which happen to be, there's an island, I don't know the name of it, off of Italy, that actually has these that are not GMO food, I won't be affected.
0: Yeah, yeah, I believe you totally. So, so you stopped gluten, yep. you stopped pr- products with gluten, um, yep. which are 100% processed products, right? Yes. I mean, as far as i know you can correct me there are no unprocessed foods that contain gluten because you're not going to go and like eat an ear of, of of wheat or something right it's always ground up into flour and put into processed products
1: yeah hundred percent yeah you're you're bang on for that so gluten if you think of gluten just think of anything in the middle aisle the grocery store probably has some form of gluten unless it says gluten-free And there are some celiacs that, unfortunately, I'm not one of them. I shouldn't say unfortunately. Fortunately, I'm not one of them. They can't actually breathe in the gluten. That's how badly they're affected. So with celiac, essentially what it is, is you'll get a leaky gut. So your lining of your stomach is like a tenth of the size of your hair or something. It's very small. And that can actually break open and poison your blood. And the other component is your villi inside of your stomach won't absorb the food properly. Hence why you have so many bowel movements because you have absorption issues. And a lot of, I think the doctors got me wrong so much because most celiacs are very thin. And myself, I was never thin. I, the opposite. So it's certainly possible. A lot of people, the doctors will now just say, oh, well, you must be intolerant. You can't be celiac. Well, no, I actually did a DNA test that shows it's in my DNA, which I think is a whole different story because, yeah, that's, that's another topic.
0: Okay. Okay. So you, you realized what it was. You made that connection. You very kindly informed your doctor so that he knew what your, what your problem was. And then you by yourself decided, I'm not going to eat gluten anymore. Plus, you had to, you know, educate yourself what foods that actually translates into. And then what?
1: And then I just got magically better for my bloating. A lot of so I had these initial things of a lot of my joint pain had kind of gone away. I didn't lose a whole lot of weight. I I probably lost. Well, at that time, I went from 317 pounds to 287 pounds. So that that was OK. That was a good weight loss. I was kind of thought, oh, OK, that's that's great. But then it just kind of stopped. It didn't go anywhere else because I didn't know anything different.
0: And how are you feeling at that time, apart from the weight loss for your digestion and your energy and everything else?
1: Oh, di- digestion was awesome. I went from like six to eight times a day and toilet to two to three times. And it was just amazing. I could go do things. I could camp. I could go on drives. I could kind of live a life that I didn't really know outside of that.
0: Amazing. Amazing. And then, so once you started feeling better, um, you didn't stop there, right?
1: I did not stop. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I became a very, uh, my wife will say, almost a fanatic on research, and I'm a cybersecurity by trade. That's what I do. I've always been in computers since 2000. So, I, I, yeah, I'm a Google freak. So when people say, "Oh, you just Google it," well, there's a difference, and a lot of IT guys will listen. There's a difference between googling, and there's a difference between I Google, right? I kind of live in that and live and breathe it. I can find stuff. It's like my encyclopedia. I was a kid at the library that would go read the encyclopedias. That's who I was. So mm-hmm. my encyclopedia today is Google. I can speed read. I do the, do that very quickly. So I can decipher articles, decipher the crap that's on there. That are usually, by the way, if you Google something, don't go in the first 10 pages because those are all yeah, they're all promoted by the big companies. Yes. So don't look at don't look at that stuff. But essentially what happened. Is 2019? I got. I just got fed up. I got because I had one more attack, and what happens with Celiac attacks is it's like you have the flu. For sometimes it can last three days, sometimes a month depends on how bad it was. And this case, it was just one small bite of hamburger. Yeah, and you wouldn't
0: insane. think that hamburger would have any gluten.
1: <laughs> no, and on the package, hundred percent beef. And then, okay, you look at the ingredients. Oh, there's filler as wheat contains gluten. <laughs> so, yeah. So that day, I, that's a day that I actually listened to my body and my gut said, so just like the doctor and I told the doctor, I'm not, you're not removing my spleen. I told myself, I'm not eating. I'm done eating. I don't know why I listened to myself, but I did. And I can tell you the exact date. That was July 28,
0: 2019. That you said, wait a minute, you didn't say I'll never eat again.
1: I didn't say that. I said I'm not going to eat until this is fixed. Right. Right. I, I couldn't handle any more food. I needed to give a, a rest to my digestive tract. Um, and lo and behold, fasting. So I had delved into fasting and heard about it years before, like my mom, when we we're young she put us on 24 hour fast just because that's what she did and i kind of knew about that a little bit i didn't know its effects or healing effects and then it was actually that day i think the universe kind of connected with me somehow and i found a cool book all about fasting inside the thrift store and i was like oh okay i'll just buy it
0: what was the name of that book
1: uh, a guide to intermittent fasting by dr jason fung
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, is that considered the Bible of fasting?
1: It is. And at the time, I kind of just chalked it up. Oh, I'll just try to kind of read it as one of those bedside books. And then after I fasted for about two weeks of just like a
0: 16-8. Can you explain I, what that means?
1: Yeah, so 16-8 is 16 hours of not eating. So essentially, I was just skipping one meal.
0: Okay. So, and, and of that 16 hours, I would imagine about eight of them are when you're sleeping, no?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, for me, I always had poor sleep, but yeah, it typically it would be eight of them you're already sleeping. So it's not really that difficult. The The hardest thing for me was cutting out the snacking because I would mm-hmm. do a lot of snacking and at nighttime sit on the couch and just pig out on chips and dip and popcorn and whatever else so he's stopping those and stopping the old habits.
0: Were they gluten-free habits.
1: chips. Yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you look at chips, yeah, they they will say you have to look for gluten-free on potato chips.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean you'll get the gluten-free but they'll come and and kick you in the, in the bum in other ways as it were. Uh-huh. So you sort of discovered fasting by reading this book or you'd already had like heard of it you said you'd done it when you were a child
1: I did it when I was a child and I can remember I was 10 at the time I did it and I remember us being at the laundromat and I said to my mom mom is it ready to eat yet can we eat yet <laughs> and no it wasn't it was a water fast and that was really my initial and I just remember. I don't know. I didn't really feel all that well of it, which if you're a kid, you shouldn't fast.
0: Right. I was just going to say, yeah. So, okay. So you kind of knew that fasting, you knew the concept of fasting, but was it Dr. Fung's book that really sort of brought it home to you, just how beneficial it could be for you?
1: I kind of was, but I didn't believe it at first when I was reading the book. I was just saying, oh yeah, I just kind of skimmed through it real quick. And I was just like, I'll just try it. I'll give it a shot. After two weeks, I was like, what is going on? And then that's when I decided to start Googling more about Dr. Fung and reading his YouTube, reading YouTube, listening to his YouTube. And I just kind of spiraled from there. And that's when I, yeah, things, things got really interesting after that. Because from July to December of 2019. I went from 287 pounds to, I think it was about 235 pounds.
0: Now, that's amazing. And a lot of people would say, well, sure, of course, you're losing weight. You're not eating.
1: That's
0: not true. My, the,
1: the amount of food that I was eating a, in that time frame was like leaps and bounds for the amount of food that I would consume was just crazy. So it's not necessarily less is better it's if you have good quality food more is better more will make you lose weight you don't want to calorie restrict yourself
0: so when you say better well you say better and I say better <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of I'm interested to know well what were you what were you eating and especially what were you not eating during those six months
1: yeah so during those six months I Continued the diet that I was still on. So I actually moved more into a paleo type lifestyle. So from, I would say I was paleo from about 2017. Uh, so paleo, uh, big superstar in the paleo world is Mark Sisson. So he's quite well known. So I was paleo just because it made me feel really good. And a combination of that other diet, the specified carbohydrate diet. I didn't really know keto. I, I had delved into a little bit. So I would almost say it was a mixture of the SCD, paleo, and keto diet all at once.
0: And what they all have in common, you can see me coming a mile off.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so the biggest, yeah, the biggest thing they all have in common is the types of carbs and, of course, cutting out sugar. So, sugar, yeah, once you realize this, sugar is the biggest driver of your insulin and your glucose kind of makes you realize that, okay, diet is huge.
0: And sugar and flour for you. Yep. Yeah. And I'm not even celiac and flour is a big thing for me as well, that once you drop sugar and flour, it's like your whole life changes.
1: Yeah. I would say, yeah. So once that weight loss really hit, that's when I got even deeper into the fasting because I didn't realize how much weight I'd really lost. And I went to Mexico uh, like in February of 2020. So this is before all this COVID stuff. And I saw pictures of myself. I was like, Whoa, what is going on? And that's when I kind of delved into other worlds of fasting, like the Jin Stevens of the world. That's a whole nother group. The doctor Berg, even I looked at the snake juice guy. Uh, there's so many people out there in this space that are helpful, um, but you have to be your own advocate.
0: Yeah, because um, at, I mean, I'm sure you're in contact with several doctors, or, or, or I mean, I imagine you are. Um, you can correct me here, but for your celiac disease and whatnot, um, did any let's call them you know regular doctors? ever talk to you about fasting or suggest it
1: never never during that time frame one big thing for me what we call in the fasting world neta is the nsv i'm sure you know what that is a non-scale victory so the biggest thing for me was my testosterone so in 2008 i well i wouldn't even say 2008 since i was 19 i'd suffer from a lot of impotence you know Gladly say that. So you female listeners out there, if you have a husband that has an issue, probably has low testosterone.
0: Yeah. And Guess true.
1: what? Mm-hmm. Guess what they prescribed me. They gave me shots and my wife would I'd bend over on the couch and she'd put a shot in my butt of testosterone. And then androgel came out, which is just gel. You just rub on your skin. It's quite dangerous. I did that for years. And December of 2019, I went, did my regular blood work. My testosterone was normal.
0: And And my doctor had no
1: idea. My doctor had no idea what was going on.
0: Because you'd stopped using those products. You'd been fasting and eating, what they call, eating clean. Yeah. And yet your testosterone was back to normal. That's right. No meds.
1: Zero meds. I stopped meds. As soon as I got that blood result, I stopped. And that's typically unheard of. And my, I could tell you, yeah, I, I could tell you my testosterone is through the roof today.
0: And uh, did you make that connection between the fasting and your testosterone? Or did anyone else?
1: Nobody. No. Of course I, of course I didn't. There's other, there other hormones as well. My pituitary gland. I had a brain scan done because there's on the frontal lobe, there's two hormones that are produced called LH and FSH. Go Google them. They stopped functioning too. And they started functioning.
0: Once you so, yeah,
1: as fasting. Yeah. As soon as I started fasting, all these things that they said were idiopathic, they had no idea what was going on. Everything started getting just corrected by itself. It was like magic. Eczema, I had my eyebrows. If you see pictures of me online, You'll see that I almost have what's called a unibrow because I had this really thick eyebrow that I was always have eczema in it where I could take it and brush it and like dandruff would come out of it. I had really bad dandruff in my hair. That's all gone. So it, it's amazing when you combine cutting out sugar and your fasting and a proper diet or what one really good doctor I like, Dr. Ken Berry says it's a proper human diet. It's amazing what happens to your body.
0: It is amazing. And I find it amazing that it's amazing. (laughs) And you know, that we find it so exceptional when it really should be the norm.
1: Mm -hmm. No, of course. uh, uh, Yeah, there's other things. The other really cool thing, Netta, is I, I know you're a teacher, but I used to hate to read. And they would always blame it on my eyesight and say, oh, it's your eyesight, your eyesight. But I still hated to read. Now, I'm like a book connoisseur. I probably read two to three books a week. I've never read so many books in my entire life. And I can count before 2019, how many books I actually read in full detail without having to read it again and again and again. I can retain it. So the biggest thing was this brain fog lift. And recently, because I've made some other changes there's, a, there's, I call it, this is kind of my theory. There's an the IQ brain fog that gets lift. And there's also an EQ brain fog that gets lifted. So there's a massive difference. So now my connection with all four connections of myself, my mind, body, soul, and my physical self is unbelievable. And I can listen to myself. I can listen to my body signals and know what the heck is going on. I don't need somebody to tell me oh, let's do some blood work and tell you what's going on. I don't need that.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. So you've got this connection, you know, between you, your emotions, your brain, your body. And do you find that that connection is clearer while you're fasting or it's just clearer because you're fasting?
1: I'd say it's a combo of both. So when I'm fasting, my awareness level goes right through the roof and usually it's about 18 to 19 hour mark when I'm in the feasted state so when I'm eating it goes down a little bit but it's not anything like it was so I prefer reading when I'm in the fasted state because I just find that after I eat I do get a little bit sleepy still but since making a move about three and a half weeks ago I moved over to Uh, diet carnivore so that's really made a difference on my eq levels in my brain where i'm so aware of my emotions it's almost somewhat overwhelming because i think what happens when you lose weight your emotions get stored up in your fat tissues your muscle tissues your skin tissues and as you lose those get released so you're dealing with a lot of crap so carnivores has helped me deal with a lot of stress in my life and yeah. fasting.
0: I believe it, definitely. And, and, you know, I call it nothing to hide, nowhere to hide. When you take mm-hmm. away that screen that you used to use, whatever it is, for me, it was sugar, for, you know, for other people, it was other things. That's, that emotional screen of going towards eating something, whatever it is, uh, to to kind of numb your emotions. When you take away that screen, that's why I call it nothing to hide, nowhere to hide. And for me and for you, that's a good thing. You know, it kind of forces us us to grow up (laughs) and to face our emotions and to deal with them in other ways than, you know, chips, cookies, chocolate, name Mm -hmm. it.
1: Caffeine. So one thing that I've done January 5th of this year, I made a commitment and that was zero sugar. So I went, so that's natural flavors. That's basically zero. So of course, in my diet, the last few years, I would have sugar once in a while and have like the cake and stuff like that. You can still do that. So March 4th was my birthday. I had a piece of cake, gluten-free cake, but I had a piece because it was moderation. And you know what? The next day I kind of felt like crap. So it's like, oh, I wish I didn't do that, but it's, it's okay. I'll probably do it again. Special occasions only. That's really it. I also made a commitment of no alcohol that gets processed the same way as sugar. That was January 5th. I didn't drink that much anyway because being celiac, there's not so much that I can drink. Um, My grains, I was always eating rice. I made a commitment January 5th to stop that. So I haven't had any of that since. Uh, The other thing for sleep, my sleep was terrible. But so when in Canada, when uh, marijuana became legal, I started taking THC, CBD for sleep. I stopped that. And then January 25th, I stopped caffeine just a few weeks ago. I stopped sparkling water. So as of right now, I can't, I'm trying to search for addictions that I have because these corporations feed off of our addictive behaviors. And as far as I'm concerned, I don't have a single addiction right now, other than making myself healthy. And if that's the addictive nature that I have I think that's a fantastic thing to do
0: totally totally and you don't look or feel like you're unhappy unhealthy you're not denied do you feel like you're denying yourself anything or that you're restricted in any way
1: no I feel the opposite I feel that if I go and eat say sugar or caffeine that I'm denying myself a proper life I used to think, oh, well, I can't deny myself sugar because it tastes so good. Now, I I think total opposite of if I have sugar, well, I'm actually denying myself of feeling good. So I think long-term, not so much short-term. Because here's an example, Netta. My birthday is March 4th. I had that cake and I'm quite aware of my body. It took about six or seven days to clear out of my body.
0: Yeah. And happy birthday.
1: <laughs> yeah. Happy you know? birthday. So it's like, so those 10 minutes of
0: oh,
1: those late minutes, it is, it, it is a lot of joy. Like I, I will tell you that, but it's like, okay, tongue for 40 years, you controlled my life. And guess what? The rest of my body, the 70 trillion cells in my body tell you, forget it. So I'm going to listen to those over my tongue. And that's just it and once you do that what has happened with my palate of these foods is amazing like you taste a ribeye and it's just like oh my god if I was to taste a ribeye two years ago I'd have to put like slather it with marinade or barbecue sauce for it to taste good now I can taste the difference in the quality of the steak and it's Absolutely. A, Yeah, it's just amazing and even lately salt I used to have to put salt on everything because I just need a taste I don't want that anymore I want the actual taste of a good quality steak and that's just what I've become I'm becoming I I guess a purist in my own mind
0: (laughs) yeah I mean it goes against what most people would imagine like I would call you a foodie you know I call my I I consider myself a foodie because I because it's like we've learned how to appreciate real food so much more and all the subtleties in different tastes and whereas before it was we were our taste buds were so jacked up on these you know lab created engineered tastes that we didn't really know what real food tasted like we we thought it tasted dull but actually it was our taste buds that had been dulled themselves.
1: I think our taste buds are fine. I think a lot of the chemically engineered garbage that we consume as people, we're actually blocking neural pathways in our brain. So being a computer guy and being in the networking, everything, look at your brain in your head as a secondary brain. Your gut is your true brain. Well, those pathways get blocked by anything, you're going to have all sorts of electrical problems going on including in your palate so that's why you have to mask stuff and these companies know excuse my words they know damn well that we're addicted to sugar salt and while they fat different types of fats so fat is good depending on the type of fat but when you combine sugar and fat that's like the most dangerous thing that you can possibly do and the companies know it because it It's cheap to put in and they're going to continue to feed us this trash. So don't do it. And that's kind of my, this is my way of saying enough is enough. You're not going to feed me that junk and wreck my body because I want to live till I'm 90 and be a grandfather and possibly a great grandfather. That's my goal.
0: Yeah, that's great. Yes. And it's all, I find it's our power as consumers, you know, to refuse to buy all all these products. You know, they're not food. Michael Pollan calls it food-like products, and I tend to agree. You can't call these things food. And, you know, we we feel powerless. They try and make us feel powerless with all their marketing and pretty colors and health claims and jacked-up tastes. But we actually have the ultimate power not to buy these things.
1: But the sad thing is, is a lot of our doctors in the medical system are bought into this stuff. They have the the amount of money that they invest in their studies to try to debunk everything is unbelievable. I don't have any money to create a study and say, hey, look, fasting fixed me. All they can say is, oh, we don't know why you're one in a million. Well, that's simply not true. The problem is there's no money in this. How can they make money off of saying don't eat? They can't. How can they make money off saying, oh, just eat ribeye the rest of your life? They can't. There's not any friggin' money in it. There's money in sugar because they make like the thousand percent markup on this stuff. It's all about economy. And it's that's what's driven by these three meals a day that they say it's a bunch of crap but look at where breakfast come from breakfast is the most important meal of the day they did that to increase the economy in the 1930s after the great depression kellogg's go look them up yeah kellogg's yeah i don't i'm not a fan
0: <laughs> <laughs> you don't say and not just because you're celiac and you know 99 of, of cereals contain gluten. I mean, it, not a fan because it's not helping us feel healthy and happy and free and, and, and all the benefits that we're living by, you know, and I'm not saying everybody should not eat breakfast. It's not that it's that what they came up with as breakfast foods mm-hmm. is like a sure way of starting off your day feeling crappy.
1: Think about this. If you're trying to drive the economy, how do you drive the economy? Three times a day for meals equals three times the size of the economy. So then you add in snacks. That's five times the size. So what do you think Americans are like the biggest economy in the planet? Because they eat the most. Canadians are no different. Look at the, the smaller countries. They eat like once a day. Look at their economies. They're not the greatest. They just aren't. But they're all migrating to the same as the states where they got to eat six, 10 times a day, every two hours you eat. Oh, you gotta have a, you gotta have a shake. You gotta have an insure. You know, there's a really, so lately there's this, there's this book called The Dietitian's Dilemma. I recommend to go read it, Michelle Hearn. Are you familiar with that book? Netta? Yes, yes. Amazing. So she is perfect example of what the world is doing to her medical community and shunning them. We can't be shunned anymore. And we have to stand up just like we stand, stood up years ago in the UK. You must remember the boycott that the truckers did. You couldn't even get gas because people were so fed up and the truckers blocked the highway. It was all over the world and it started a movement. So the only way is for people to get fed up and say that's enough. And yeah. unfortunately you're going to have, it's a good thing. You're going to have people like myself and people like you, Netta, that are going to continue to advocate and I'll continue to piss off the corporations because they make me very angry to what they did to me.
0: Yes. Yeah, I get that. Totally. Yeah, me too. I mean, I felt so manipulated and so, yeah, so angry that all my health issues or my discomfort, were it was so easy to get rid of them. And yet they were actually being, you know, just multiplied by all the so-called food that's out there that we get told we have to eat yeah so. like
1: we don't that that's the thing is the, we do have to eat but we have to eat the right foods we can't eat the junk that they're feeding us like you don't it's kind of like a dog and a cat they have pretty much the same anatomy as us you don't give your dog cake and you don't give your dog potato chips you're going to kill them humans are no different we're just more resilient and we're going to live a lot longer, and we have a stronger immune system, but we're always going to be in pain. But if you don't know when you're in pain, how do you know you're in pain?
0: Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a great point. As you were saying before, to go back to, you know, when you first had your symptoms, you don't know what's normal, you know, and so we all think it's normal to, to feel as you get older to have pain or to put on weight or all these things. But who says what's normal? Who's, who's, who's in charge here?
1: One other thing I'm going to bring up real quick, Netta, that really bugs me. So as a bigger guy all my life, I'd always see these personal trainers go to the gym and they get you to run. I'll tell you, don't do that if you're obese because you'll just damage yourself. You'll damage your muscles. Those, it's, those guys will give you these stupid, sad diets. So the stupid American diet is what I like to call it or the shitty ass diet that they, that they have, you know, we can't eat like that anymore. It's just not the way to do it. And that's what these personal trainers will prescribe to you is, Oh, eat this way and have all these vegetables, have all these carbs. Oh, but don't worry. Don't have hardly any protein or hardly any fat. Make sure your fat's low. I did that all my life. and did absolutely nothing. And then I'd run, like I'd run up mountains at near 300 pounds. Because I had determination, but I didn't have the education. Mm. So most of the people listening to these podcasts, I'll tell you, Netta, they will have determination. And it's 99.99999% mindset for the changes that you want to do in your life. And that's where I'm at now, is everything's mindset. If I want to do something, I don't wait till tomorrow. I do right now. And people look at me, well, that's crazy. So here's what I did recently. I used to run back in 1999 when I joined the military and that was a whole different story. And I stopped running because I just, yeah, my diet was crap and I was too painful. So I stopped just a few weeks ago, the day after my birthday, March 5th, I said, screw it. I went for a five kilometer run. I didn't start on this couch to 5k on an app from my phone. I just went for a 5k run because my body could we're humans. We're designed to do that type of stuff. Yeah. Today, I, I start running now. I, I run. Amazing. And it feels really good. Like, I'm, I'm lighter now than when I was 11 years old.
0: And how old are you now? 41. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, your story, you know, is every story is unique, but it's mm-hmm. just, for me, it's just inspiring to see that as a consumer, as an individual, you know, as an informed person, you're not going to be pushed around by either the food industry or the medical establishment or anyone else, basically.
1: My in-laws have a funny joke when, when I come around, because I've never really let corporations mess around with my family. So they'd always say, signed Keith. <laughs> so uh, my brother-in-law actually made me this funny picture that says that signed Keith because I write to these corporations that say, no, you're not going to get away with that. I haven't done it to the food industry yet. I will when I get mad enough, which I'm starting to get very angry because I'm starting to see. But here's the thing. Anger can be really bad. So you have to learn how to redirect that stuff. So I redirect my anger towards the way that the world operates to passion for myself. And I use it for the... Greater good, I guess, and make myself healthy because I have two kids. They need a father that's good, that's healthy, that's there for them. And that'll stand up and that'll be assertive. I don't need to be aggressive in my stance, but I can certainly be assertive. And that's where that's where we go. I no longer have this brain fog. I'm no longer tired. I feel amazing, Netta. Like I never thought in a thousand years I would tell you. Two years ago, if someone were to tell me, oh, you're going to feel amazing, I'd be like, no, maybe in a different world or something else. But I feel amazing. I'm 185 pounds today. I have a goal of maybe 178 pounds. So I'm like seven pounds away from my goal weight. I'm almost in a size, well, I'm in a size 30 pants right now. Medium shirts, almost small. I have fairly big arms. I consider myself a decent shape this summer guess what i'm gonna aim for i'm gonna aim for an abs challenge
0: Mm.
1: (laughs) (laughs) so i push i push myself to limit i challenge myself i do different things and that's just what i do so if you want to do what i do you know cut out freaking sugar
0: (laughs) (laughs) thank you keith thanks for talking to me
1: of course thank you netta
0: Oh wow, thank you Keith. So inspiring. Such an inspiring story of a fellow consumer who is advocating not only for himself, but for all of us. Not just for what we eat, but also for what we don't eat and how often we eat or don't eat with intermittent fasting. And if you want to have more resources about reducing sugar and eating more whole foods, including fermented and probiotic foods, then head on over to my website, aftersugarclub.com. That's aftersugarclub.com and download your simple guide to getting more energy with less sugar. And if you're enjoying this podcast, scroll down and leave me a review. I love reading them and I really appreciate them. Thank you. That's it for this week. Keep in touch and see you soon for another episode.